0: and welcome to another Monday night. That means it's time for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell, and we're going to be sitting back and talking about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds after the All-Star Game on Tuesday night. And let's bring us in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue from Parts Unknown. He's on remote tonight. Mark, where are you tonight?
1: I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I spent the day in New York City and uh, I have a question for you, Dave. All right. Uh Now, inquiring minds want to know, has <laughs> your improved radio performance over the last two years, does it have anything to do with performance-enhancing drugs? Now, be honest.
0: Well, if I say no, I'm going to sound like Ryan Braun. And if I say yes, <laughs> I'll sound like Andy Pettit. So I'm going to say possibly.
1: Well, let me. You, you bring up a good point. Uh, what's the two big things? With the two, the biggest difference between those two players.
0: Well, I think. Uh, well, the fact that one one plays in Milwaukee and the other one plays in New York, and and the fact that Andy Petta is not under investigation any longer after coming clean with everybody, but yet. Ryan Braun is.
1: Bingo. I mean, he Andy Pettit said, look, I took it. I didn't know it was wrong to take it. I, I shouldn't have taken it. I won't do it again. End of story. Uh, you know, it, as always, with these political escapades, uh, anything that happens, it's not the act that gets these people in trouble. It's lying about it. And had Ryan Braun come clean two years ago and say, oh, my bad. I didn't know I shouldn't have taken those things. You guys ought to suspend me. I volunteer to be suspended. I shouldn't have done that. I won't do it again. Uh, End of story. But he drags this drama out, and now it's going to cost him 65 games and $3 bucks.
0: Yeah, in case you just tuned in, uh, Ryan Braun has been suspended for the rest of the year. Which realistically, Mark, and there's a couple things before we even get into the Reds and Indians. This, I, I want to get into this. Uh, of course, you can talk to us tonight on the social media at Ask Us or DMitch at Ultimate Sports com, or you can send us a tweet at OHBB Co host. We're going to have our Ask Us segment, and we've got one outstanding question. And I'm going to hold to the last, Mark, for the last okay. question on our Ask Us segment tonight. But you know, there's a couple of things that I want to bring up about this Ryan Braun situation before we even get into the Reds and the Indians. The first is, okay, 65 games and a three million dollar fine. I'm sorry, but the fact of the matter is, is that Milwaukee's out of the race. The season is over for them. This is a slap on the wrist to him, and it really is no punishment whatsoever.
1: Oh, I disagree, David. I think that it not only on the face of it, I mean, $3 million fine. Uh That's pretty hefty, number one. Number two, uh losing 65 games. But to me, the biggest punishment for him is the fact that his legacy as a player is forever tarnished. He may not get into the Hall of Fame because of this. So, you know, I think it's a beat down, a uh, pretty bad one. And I don't know what else they could do to make it worse. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I applaud Major League Baseball for coming down so strong on him, but apparently they negotiated this deal. I don't know what else they had on the table before. But normally, well, you know, the a second offense is 100 games.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think they should have stuck to the 100-game suspension mark, letting him sit out the first 35 games of next year. Another thing that I want to ask is, What happens to the guy that Ryan Braun got fired from FedEx over the winter? The guy who all he did was handle the urine specimen. That's this guy's job, handling a urine specimen. And because the envelope was tampered tampered with, Braun got this guy fired. Now, is Braun going to pay this guy's salary for the rest of his life for getting this guy fired over a lie that Braun perpetrated?
1: That's a good point. I'd forgotten about that, but, uh, he certainly should step up and, and, and volunteer to do that or, or you know, help a guy get a job or something. I mean, that, you're right about that. But in, in terms of his punishment, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, th- this guy's career is forever now going to be tarnished, uh, about this. And no matter what you believe he did or didn't do. And that's the other thing. Barry Larkin tonight uh, on ESPN brings up a very good point. That we don't know what he did. We, we, they say PEDs, but it's not steroids, which is a big difference, obviously. But what kind of PEDs were they? I mean, were they things that were over the counter? Were they things that prescribed? Were they cooked up by this idiot down in Miami who gave all these players this juice? But as they said, we don't know what, what happened. And I think baseball owes it to the fans to tell them what did occur.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And now, you talked about Barry Larkin saying what he did on the Major League Baseball Network. I'm going to turn to what Rick Sutcliffe said tonight during the uh, Yankee game with the Texas Rangers talking about this situation. And he brought up the tale of Wally Joyner. And a lot of people probably don't remember Wally Joyner, but he was a player back in the late 80s, early 90s, that was an all-star first baseman for, the at that time, the California Angels. He made the all-star team as a rookie, and then he never made the all-star team again. Why? Because there were two guys playing first base that were making the all-star team at that time, Mark, in Rafael Palmero and Mark McGuire. Now, how is that fair to Wally Joyner, and how does that affect... How did these two guys and what they did during their career affect the legacy of Wally Joyner? And what Rick Sutcliffe was bringing up was... How do all these guys that did this stuff affect the legacy of others who aren't even involved with it?
1: That's a, that's a real good point, and the, the the problem with all this is we only know about the guys who got caught, and I can guarantee you, back in you know back in Wally Joyner's day, there were a lot of guys using testosterone and other. I mean, they were they were using steroids, and they just didn't get caught because they didn't have. The detection and you know you can look at some of these guys physically and and make a an assumption they were on something but what about a guy like a pitcher who was on some of it and he got he got on there as a reliever and he didn't need as much but it enhanced his performance there are hundreds of guys and i played with a lot of major league ball players and they used to tell me about it that that they were on testosterone and and number one they weren't that good that it did not helped them to get to all star status, but it allowed them to make a major league roster and kick somebody else off that roster who wasn't using the testosterone. So it's it's hard to pin these things down. I think Major League Baseball is doing the right thing and coming down hard on it. But they it certainly worked on steroids. And now they're going after PEDs, but I want to know what he took. Because I want to know how insidious this stuff is, and do these guys really know they're taking it, or is it simply showing up in the bloodstream?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it must be told what these guys are taking because testosterone is something you can get over the counter. Mark, it's something that you can just hop hop to your local CVS, drug mart, wherever, Walmart, and go pick it up off over the counter. So is that that was what he originally? was suspended for, that the urine specimen guy was fired from fired for from FedEx. But, I mean, we need to know if that is what he was suspended for or if it was for something else. I agree with you. And, I you know, I applaud Major League Baseball the same as you do. I also applaud the union that came out on Saturday and said they were not going to file appeals just haphazardly for players that had overwhelming evidence against them. I think that was an outstanding move by the Players Association.
1: I agree with you, and I was really happy to hear that. And, you know, the players not on the juice, they, they're they supportive of that too because they, they don't want to be forced to use it, and they don't want to play against people where they the other people have a unfair advantage. So I think this is is being handled well by Major League Baseball, and it's something that is long overdue. But, again, once they put in the paper or online what it is they used and we can hear it on TV, I'll feel feel a lot more comfortable about what's going on.
0: Okay, before we get into the Reds and Indians again, one other point. A-Rod. You know, I read a story about a month ago, Mark, where A-Rod's entire plan (laughs) Was to come back and play a few games in the minor leagues and then suddenly decide that he was not going to be able to play anymore while the Yankees negotiated with the insurance company that it has a policy against A Rod's contract. And A Rod would then in turn retire, and the insurance company would pick up probably anywhere from 80 to 85% of his outlandish contract, and he would walk away from the game and wouldn't have to worry about a suspension by Major League Baseball. I think that that is more and more true right now, Mark, simply from the standpoint that after A-Rod saw last week what Major League Baseball had against him, suddenly his quad muscle came up hurting, and he's on the disabled list now. I think he needs just a few more days to get this thing ironed out in his head.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... Again, what is confusing is that some of these allegations these players are accused of happened two or three years ago. And uh, I think Major League Baseball was really out to get brawn because of what he did last year on that technicality where he got out of it. And I think they were, they had him in, in their sights. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with A Rod because if his accusation was about stuff that happened two or three years ago, uh, and he's already come clean on that. I don't know what they're they're going to charge him with, unless there's something new. If there's something new, it's it's obvious what they're going to go after. But again, we don't know that.
0: Yeah, I think it's obvious they were going after Braun big time because he his is the first suspension that has come down. I think the next one is going to be A. Rod. I think you're going to see that in the next couple of days. But i will also gonna I'm going to go out on a limb here, Mark, and say this. The longer this thing drags out with Alex Rodriguez, the more likely I think you're going to see him retire rather than baseball ban him or suspend him. And here's another thing I want to ask you, Mark, just your opinion. My thoughts are if baseball really wants to put some teeth into this PED scandal, forget One suspension, 50 games. The second suspension, 100 games. The third suspension, a ban from baseball. I say, one time you get caught, fine, 50 games. Second time, you're done. Put some teeth into it. And that, that carries over from the minor leagues into the major leagues. If you get caught in the minor leagues and then get caught in the majors, you're done there too. They've got to do something to put some teeth into it. What about that idea, Mark?
1: I don't like the idea that a 19-year-old kid or an 18-year-old kid can make a stupid decision and have it end his career. Uh, I'm all for enforcement, but I think you ought to give these kids a couple chances. Now, you know, if it's a 35-year-old guy, you know, I understand. You can't have a a different set of rules, though. Uh, I just think you have to be careful throwing the book at somebody like that uh, when stupid Kids do stupid things at, at a young age, even professional athletes. So I'm a little less inclined to end their career, per se, uh, but but the goal is to get guys off this stuff. Number one, so they don't have a competitive edge, but number two, it doesn't hurt them physically. And thirdly, it doesn't force their teammates or people on other teams to use this stuff to catch up. So I, I think you you have to be careful... That you don't end their career over these things, at the other hand, I understand your your desire to police it and enforce it, and I'm all for that. I just wouldn't give them the death penalty that quickly.
0: Well, maybe you're right there. Maybe it should be if you're caught you know twice in the major leagues, then you're done i I understand what you're saying about an eighteen nineteen twenty year old kid uh actually making a mistake and, and going and you know Mark, the way that they're banning these drugs anymore even in the football game, uh, there are stuff that you can get over the counter that is against the rules according to these sports. And there's so many things that are involved in these drugs anymore, Mark. You just don't know what you can take and what you can't take. It's almost like you've got to have a doctor check out the doctor, check out the pharmacy before you can ever take anything anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I think what has to happen is you you have to go to MLB and let them be the enforcer. Say, look, I'm going to be taking this stuff. I want you guys to sign off on it. You you tell me I'm allowed to take it. I mean, that's that would be the best way to do it. Is have the MLB enforce it and, and say, here's here's what you can and can't take. And if you have any question, submit it to them. Say, here's what I'm going to be taking. Uh, that's why you have to be careful with these absolute violations that you know something doesn't slip into some i mean what happens if they go to a party and somebody slips it in into their drink because they don't want them you know they're you know a, a brewer's fan puts it into joey Votto's drink at a party i mean you, you have to be cognizant of some of the stuff if you don't want to shoot a sure guy in the head because of something that uh you know happens and it's an accident or it's planted or whatever that's my only concern
0: yeah yeah I th- i think you're right there well Ryan Braun suspended for the rest of the season, $3 million fine. We'll wait and see what happens to the rest of them. And with the trade deadline coming up, boy, who knows who else is on this list and what teams are going to have to do. But let's get into the Reds and the Indians. That's what we're here to do tonight, Mark, on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And I think this weekend for both the Reds and the Indians can be summed up in two words, missed opportunities.
1: Yep. That's funny you say that. I was, I was looking at what happened yesterday and the St. Louis Cardinals, they won three to two. They won a close team and the Reds lost three to two and the Reds had the bases loaded in the eighth inning, nobody on base and Joey Votto hits into a double play. Now, not that I'm blaming Joey Votto, but you cannot, if you're going to win a division, and especially if you're going to come back, you can't let those kinds of opportunities go by the board, and the Reds have done that all year. They are clearly, clearly a third place team in the division, albeit a good division. I'll give you that, but they're they're not nearly as good as the Cardinals, and their pitching isn't as good as Pittsburgh's overall. Over although I think their offense is better, but you know it's it's very clear the Reds have a chance to make the playoffs, and be the weakest team in the playoffs. So, you know, you you go to Pittsburgh, you play one game, you get beat, then it's over. So, unless they do something in the next two weeks, I I stand by my prediction. It's a third-place team. I don't see them getting any better. they got so many holes in that lineup, David. You know, as a Reds fan, you want to scream bloody murder because you know that these guys like Frazier and Cozart and Messerocco and, Again, it's it's a black hole of of offensive futility, and it's especially when they have such good pitching. And it's I know today you you track some rumors about the Reds making some moves. I have not seen any indication that Jockett is going to do that, but he certainly needs to.
0: Well, I know we talked last week, Mark, about an article going on in the Cincinnati Inquirer, I believe. Uh, where the Reds were interested in getting Giancarlo Stanton out of Miami. And the article referred to the fact that Araldus Chapman would be the one that would be given up for Stanton. We talked about that. I'd make that deal. How about you?
1: I would make it, if I were the Marlins, for reasons other than you might think. uh, Number one, they would make, I I have no question, they would make him a starter down there uh the, Because they don't need a closer when you're losing 100 games, you don't need a closer. Um, but number two, with the Cuban population of Miami, he would be a huge, huge draw for them. Uh, which you know indicates to me that that on, on on its face makes sense for Miami to consider that deal. Now Stanton is not having a good year, Uh but you look at that lineup and it's like Joey Votto. I mean, he, he has no protection at all down in Miami. Uh, I think he would thrive at the Reds, but you, you'd have next year if you if you were to sign Stanton, you would have to put Jay Bruce in the center field next year, and you'd have to put Stanton in the right, and you have Ludwig in left. I mean that's that's a very strong offensive team, but it's not a, a strong defensive team. So you know it's always a trade-off, but uh, I, I just don't think Stanton is a guy that, that Jockety's going to go after because you get to pay him big money in two or three years.
0: I just get the feeling that Jockety is too conservative to actually be the general manager of a team that's ever going to win at all.
1: Well, he, he's in the past, he, he he goes for two or three years and he doesn't make a deal, you know, a meaningful deal. And then he'll pull one out of the left field, literally, uh, and sign a Mark McGuire, or he'll sign uh, other big-name players, uh, Chris Carpenter and some others back in the day, that really turned the organization around. Now, the reason, I mean, I, I don't know this to be the case, but what I heard, the reason he got fired from the Cardinals was he made some big deals, but he basically decimated their farm system. And you can make the argument that he's done that so far, with the Reds, when you think of the players that he's traded away, and he's got some good people in return, but just think of the Chew deal. What he gave up to get a guy who really is going to be with the team for one year. He gave up B.B. Gregorius, and he gave up uh, Drew Stubbs. And that's a lot to give up for, for one guy, especially when your current shortstop's hitting 228. And Gregorius is twice the shortstop that, that Cozart is, no
0: question about it. Well, you know how upset I was when the Indians actually traded Gregorius to Arizona. I thought they should have given up Cabrera rather than Gregorius. That was my choosing. So I could just about imagine how you feel or some of the Cincinnati Reds fans feel over trading Gregorius in favor of keeping Cozart.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have traded Frazier if they had taken him. Um, and Gregorius is a great athlete. He's going to steal you twenty, thirty bases a year. He's got a cannon for an arm. You could have played him a third. He's hitting 279, or he was last week. I mean, it, you know, he was leading all rookies in hitting. Uh, and he's, he's a, he's just a great athlete. Fun guy to watch. And, uh, Kozart is so overmatched right now, David. I, I see him play every day. And so is Frazier. It's, these are minor league players being forced to play in the big leagues. I mean, if they were in Triple A, they'd be hitting 260, 270. And in the big leagues, they're hitting 220 and 230. These guys are... are and they're not going to get better. You can't improve bat speed that way. And Frazier, I've never seen a major leaguer with that kind of swing. It's it's embarrassing. And this, this is a tie that a lot of his hits... If he leans out over the plate and flips the bat and drops it in the right field, it's not just a couple hits. He's probably had 10 or 12 hits like that this year. He has no power left. They figured him out. Now the Reds are stuck. What do you do? You have nobody to put it third. You have nobody to put it short because your farm system has been depleted. So if the Reds make it to the playoffs this year, there's no way they're going to go any further with the roster they have and my only hope is that Jockety sees this finally, and is going to make some moves.
0: Mark, I've got to tell you, I'm looking online at Major League Baseball trade rumors, and there are 28 guys that they're talking about here, Mark, and they give the potential suitors for each one. I've gone through all 28, and I haven't seen the Reds' name on a potential suitor on any of these. Now, one of them was Michael Young from philadelphia now i did see an article today that said michael young Mm -hmm. had been asked about by the reds and they were in some minor level discussions about bringing young to the reds but i really don't think philadelphia you're there in the city of brotherly love the home of rocky (laughs) do they know whether they're buyers or sellers in the trade market yet
1: I think they're sellers from what I heard yesterday, uh, but Michael Young, he's not going to help the Reds. I mean, he, he's got four home runs. He's, I think he hitting 280 or something like that. Uh, he, he's a fine player. His best players are way behind him. Uh, and he's got a $12 million contract. I mean, <laughs> that's, it just makes no sense unless you view him as, as a Scott Rowland type guy, but his, he's, he's going to decline. Statistically, from now on. And the, the problem the Reds made this year, and I don't know if the Indians have done this in the past, but the Reds assumed one year meant a career. And they assumed because Cozart and Frazier had decent years last year. But in Frazier's case, Dave, his second half of the year, he hit 192. So what's going on now it's a continuation of what happened the second half of the year. Don't forget, he was benched in, in August because he wasn't hitting, and, or in yeah. early September he wasn't hitting, and it, so this is not new. And Cozart is just overmatched. I mean, he, he hasn't hit a home run I think since May, and uh, he made two errors yesterday or the day before. Uh, he's just not playing well. I think it's wearing on him, and uh, the Reds are not going to win with this team.
0: Well, the Reds won two out of three from Pittsburgh over the weekend after the All-Star break. They're fifty-five and forty-three. They're five games behind the Cardinals in first and three games behind the Pittsburgh Pirates who are in second place. On the other hand, the Indians are now fifty-two and forty-six. They're one and two on the week. They're uh they, they only won one in Minnesota over the weekend mark, and they had leads in all three games, especially the first two. They actually should have won those games, but the bullpen imploded. And they're a game and a half behind Detroit. And when I said missed opportunities, I meant it because the two games that the Indians lost, the Tigers lost in Kansas City. So the Indians could conceivably be in first place or even a half a game out of first place if they'd have won just two out of three against Minnesota. But okay, so the I, I get a trade. In second,
1: I get a trade for you. Okay. Okay, you guys need bullpen help. The Reds have, assuming they're healthy now, okay. Uh, the Reds send you guys, Todd Frazier, Jonathan Broxton, and Chris Heisey. Who do you think we want? Lindor. No, Kipnis.
0: Oh, you want Kipnis? Well, that that that's a better deal than what I was told this weekend they were talking about. Zach Kozar, Billy Hamilton, and Ryan Ludwig to the Reds for Jason Kipnis.
1: Well, you guys need a bullpen help. If Broxton's healthy, I mean, this guy's a legitimate closer. And if not a closer, he's your eighth inning guy. Uh, he's making a lot of money, but one of those years is now gone. So, you know, this year's paid for. You'd have him two years at $7 million a year. And, you know, you get uh, a young power hitter and uh, you get a third baseman who's going to hit you 240, 250, hit 15 home runs a year. Come on, Dave, step up.
0: No, no, I would not not make that deal. Jason Kipnis is, is too good a ball player, and I'm not getting enough in return. I mean, if we lose Kipnis, we lose any type of offense that we've got. It doesn't matter what kind of bullpen we bring into play here. But, I mean, let's talk about some of these deals that they're talking about. I, Matt Garza was one guy that they were talking about coming to Cleveland, and the Cubs wanted Lonnie Chisenhall for him. There's no way the Indians were going to do that. And Garza today, of course, went to Texas. But here's one. What about Bud Norris out of Houston? What's your thoughts on him?
1: I like him. I, I think he'd be a great pitcher in a big ball park, like Oakland or San Diego. Uh, a place like that. He's a fly ball pitcher, and he's the guy who really has pretty good stats. You know the, you know, the numbers in the numbers. I've always liked Bud Norris. He's he's a good pitcher. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Bronson Arroyo, except he throws harder. But uh, I think he's a good a good serviceable right hand addition for somebody.
0: Well, I'm not sure if the Rangers are still interested in getting a pitcher now that they got Garza, but. The Indians, the Rockies, and the Red Sox are supposedly all in the mix to get Bud Norris. So that might be interesting if the Indians can pull something like that off. That's what I'd like to see is a trade like that that they could pick up. Another guy that they're interested in getting, Mark, is also Jake Peavy. But the problem with him is he's got a- another two years left on his contract. Next year, $14.5 million, and then... In 2015, he's got a player option for 15 million. I'm not sure the Indians are going to want to take on a contract like that, especially for a guy who's been injured like Peavy has.
1: Oh yeah, I think that'd be a huge mistake. I mean, I like Peavy when he's right, but he's right so seldom that uh, physically right that uh, I think that would be a bad a bad move. But it's interesting to look around. I, I went to the websites today and checked unavailable hitters, and there's a dearth of good offensive uh, candidates out there, you know, to hit the trade market. Uh, even if you could get a Giancarlo Stanton, uh, look at his numbers. I mean, he's, you know, he's not been productive. You you have to bet on the come on these some of these guys that they're just not producing like they used to. But besides Stanton, who's out there that, you know, it would be a, a game changer for any lineup.
0: I can't think of anybody, and really that, you know, the Indians need a cleanup hitter, and I can't see one out there that's available that they could really bring in that would be much of a change than what they've got right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, that rumor about hey. Ludwig going to the Indians, I mean, it's it makes some sense from the Indians' perspective if he's healthy. I mean, he is a legitimate cleanup hitter, but it, it would be, and if the Reds are going to sign Stanton, yeah, okay, you sign Stanton, you trade Ludwig. Uh, Ludwig's got a, what, $7 million contract, I think, for the next two years, or this year and next year. Uh, so, you know, you could you could lay off some money there. But the Reds are going to have some money next year coming back from Arroyo. Uh, so they may have some more maneuverability than we might think of going out and getting a bat and paying for it, but I don't know who's out there to get.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Hey, we've got breaking news coming in from ESPN on Major League Baseball. We're going to come back and tell you what that is right after this timeout. In
1: Cincinnati last night, Dylan Michael made his highly anticipated debut in front of a full house and did not disappoint. Michael went
0: 3-5 of five with a single and two doubles, while driving in three as Cincinnati defeated New York 6-3. to three. Michael, Cincinnati's number one pick in this year's amateur draft,
1: virtually forced the team to promote him after pounding minor league pitching since his signing. Last at bat, a novel by Mark available at Joseph A. Beth, Barnes & Noble, and Books & Company.
0: And you can also pick up Mark's book right here at ultimatesportstalk.com. Just go onto the right side of the webpage and order your copy there. Mark, the Indians are in Seattle tonight. It's a strange road trip. They just head out to Seattle for a three-game series and then come home for a homestand. They get Thursday off, but this just just, just in from Major League Baseball. Seattle manager and former Indians manager Eric Wedge suffered a dizzy spell during batting practice and has been taken to the hospital. Now, no word as to what's going on with him, but I know Wedgie's a little, you know, this is not meant to be funny. But it is true. He's a little uh, wound tight at times, a very intense manager, and he's had a dizzy spell. And now they've taken him to the hospital. So I'm assuming that Seattle will be managed by someone else tonight against the Indians.
1: You know, there's a lot of managers out there like that, and that's why yesterday they they were in, uh, I guess it was Saturday they were interviewing Clint Hurdle of the Pirates. And, you know, I had I had dinner one night with Clint Hurdle out in Arizona. We were playing in a tournament out there. And he is one of the funniest guys in the world. And this, this guy is not wound type I mean, this guy is—he's hysterical, and he's—he's he's really funny. And you know, he, and the way he treats his players—if uh, you—if you heard the interview on, on the air the other day—you can understand why he's done such a great job with that young Pirates team. Uh, they're not afraid to make mistakes, and he tells them to go out. Hey, hey, you're going to screw up. Forget about it. It happens. This is baseball. It's, you know, it's not science. And, uh, but I was really impressed with his approach to the game as opposed to a guy like Wedge or even Dusty Baker. I mean, Dusty Baker is a very intense guy. And you just wonder how these guys can maintain that through the course of a long baseball season with all the ups and downs they face.
0: Yeah, I, you know, baseball is a little more like they always say it's a marathon. And, uh, you know, most time most of the times the managers are not as wound tight as, Football coaches or even basketball coaches, but still you got to wonder you know it's a day after day thing, a lot of pressure on these guys, you know and and you never know what may happen to them
1: yeah it's it's really amazing to me that, that there haven't been heart attacks or strokes on the bench with some of these managers because they get so involved in it. but the same can be said for basketball I mean some of these basketball coaches you know, jumping up and down the sidelines. And some of these guys are in their 60s and they're having conniption fits at referees or players that turn the ball over or whatever. But it's really a testament to the shape these guys must keep themselves themselves in because uh, there is a lot of pressure with these jobs.
0: Did you ever think that Billy Martin would have had a heart attack on the bench? I mean, did you ever think that that was possible?
1: Oh, sure, sure. And, you know,
0: there's a, been, a, a there's been a lot of guys like that. Yeah. There's
1: been a lot of guys like that who you think could certainly blow a gasket. But, you know, it's really the ones that, that don't say and do much that I, I'm even more concerned about. That they just kind of, uh, you know, sit there and see on the inside. I guess some of these guys, when they go out there and like, like Lou Piniella. I mean, I don't think Lou Piniella would ever have a stroke because he was. Simmering on the inside, he might have a stroke because he's throwing first base in into right field uh, when he shouldn't. But uh, it's an interesting the the personalities that emerge out of the baseball. There's there's really no two alike.
0: Yeah, I you know Earl Weaver's another one. But but then you oh, know, yeah. you look at the yeah. guy. Look at the guy who did have the heart attack, Tommy Lasorda.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. But he wasn't on the bench. I mean, he was probably in his late 70s, early 80s when he had that heart attack.
0: True, true. Hey, it's time for our Ask Us segment, and we've got several great questions tonight, Mark. One I'm going to save for the very end. I think you're going to enjoy this one. So let's get into our Ask Us segment. You can send us in questions every week just simply by sending them into Ask Us at ultimatesportstalk.com or dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com. Let's start out with the first one. I've heard both of these options mentioned lately. So, which is more likely, according to Caleb, the Reds make a big trade before the deadline, or the Reds do nothing? Mark,
1: I think the Reds do nothing. I think if you're going to bet Caleb, I would bet they do nothing. Uh, I just don't think number the one they have enough in their farm system to entice a a team to give up a a meaningful player, a player that can actually help this team win. So what they would have to do is take players off their twenty five man roster. So so major league ready players. And you know the I'll tell you a guy, I think now I heard an interesting rumor the other day and that uh, Justin Morneau, um he's the catcher for the uh twins. Uh am I thinking of the other or is he playing the first base now?
0: No, Who's, the the catcher for twins?
1: Who's the catcher for the Twins?
0: Oh. And I just signed this You know weekend. who I mean. Yes. Who? I just signed this weekend. What's his name? I'll look it up. I can't think okay.
1: of it now. I, I, he's an all-star. I can't. But he's in the last year of his contract. Now, they said that, that the Reds need help behind the plate, and they certainly do. Joe now, Mauer. I can see Joe Mauer, of course, Joe Mauer. Uh, he's a great hitter. He he would really help the Reds line up. He's making big money. But what I saw, and this was a Twins report, that the Reds were offering, uh, uh and another another player off a 25 man roster if the Twins were eat some of Marno's contract. Now that deal I could really get behind. They need a guy like him on that roster who brings some stability. He could hit fourth or fifth. Uh, He's a great bat. Um, But that is a move where you basically give up two young players off your major league roster, major league ready players because the Reds don't have anything in the minor leagues. There's nothing down there right now that you could bring up to fill in. So, the question are the Reds gonna make a deal? I doubt it because they don't have much to deal with.
0: You know, that's the type of deal I think I could make if I was the Reds mark. I really think in Minnesota they would be just chastised beyond belief for making it for trading away Joe Maurer. I really believe that because he he's born and bred in Minnesota. And I, I really think if they're going to go into full rebuild mode I know they've got to get rid of Maurer, but I think he's one of those guys, Mark, that if they do, they're going to be in for some fan backlash.
1: Well, maybe, but you're going to have just as many fans say, look, let's blow this thing up and start over. The Twins haven't done anything in three or four years, and they're not going to do anything next year. They just don't have the horsepower. So if you're going to go young, uh, you know, go to a Devin Messeraco, try to get a Todd Frazier or a... Uh, you know, a player that can, can you can build around. I mean, Ness is a good defensive player. I just think he has so many holes in the swing offensively. He tries to hit a ball 500 feet every swing. And, you know, I, I think the Twins would certainly look at a deal like that because they're not going to resign sign Maurer. And if Maurer wants to play on a, on a winner, sometimes that trumps playing for the home team.
0: Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look it up, but I think Maurer is is tied up with them for a few years.
1: I thought this was his last year of his current contract, but I could be wrong on that. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. I'll, but I'll have nevertheless,
1: to... his name came up. Nevertheless, notwithstanding his contract, uh, and the, because they said that to, to make that deal work, the Twins would have to eat some of his contract.
0: Well, that that I believe they would probably have to do. Hey, Jeremiah writes in, The Indians are getting the most out of Ubaldo Jimenez. Do you think it's time for them to put him on the market so they can get what they can for him? Yes, yes, and yes again. <laughs> I I would I would take almost anything. You're not going to get a lot for Ubaldo. Um yeah, he's pitching right now probably better than he has ever pitched in an Indian's uniform, and maybe the best that he's pitched Uh, since that outstanding 2010 season, Mark. But he still has this problem about getting by the fifth inning. He can't get into the sixth inning, and, and he definitely is not going into the seventh. And every time he pitches, now he's the starting pitcher tonight for the Indians against Seattle, but they've got to have their bullpen ready to go for at least four innings when he pitches. Otherwise, they're in deep trouble. I think they get rid of him. And, and get as much as they can for him. But they're going to have to get a starter. If they get a Peavy, or if they get a Bud Norris, then I would say, yeah, I would give up Jimenez for mm-hmm. whatever I can get.
1: Could you imagine somebody saying that in the first half of 2010? Was there ever a more dominant pitcher at Coors Field? I mean, this guy was 14-3 and in the first half of the year and didn't have a horrible second half, but he did come down to earth. But then... In 11 and 12, and so far this year, I saw him pitch against the Reds, and it didn't look like the same pitcher. He had no life on his fastball at all. And you know, he, he I've never seen a pitcher fall that quickly from where they were to where they are in the, in the last two or three years, barring an injury. I mean, he, he hasn't been injured, he's just not pitching well. And I, I don't have you tracked what he's lost philosophy wise? Because It looks to me he's lost at least four or five miles an hour off his fastball.
0: He's so concerned. Yeah, I agree with you because I don't think he tops over 91 miles an hour anymore. Maybe 92 every once in a while. He is so consumed with throwing breaking pitches all over the place, Mark, that his fastball has just lost all pop.
1: Yeah, I remember that that first year, 2010, in, in Colorado. I mean, he was throwing 97 and 98 consistently. And nasty slider. I mean, just, just a, a knee breaker. And he was even throwing a changeup. And in fact, maybe his problem is, I think he, in fact, I think he has a curveball too. Uh, so he had all these pitches and he, for some reason against the Reds, and I thought maybe it was just against the Reds at first, but he, he must have thrown, I'd say 50% of his pitches were off speed. I mean, they weren't all changeups. I mean, there were sliders and curves and, uh, but his fastball, even when he threw it, was you know ninety ninety one miles an hour and, and you know occasionally get to ninety two, but certainly very hittable.
0: Okay, just to go backtrack here a little bit on Joe Mauer, his contract status is he is signed through two thousand eighteen, so he is making somewhere in the area of around fourteen to fifteen million dollars a year. The whole the total contract was eight years. At uh, $185 million, so it's more than that. It's about $20 million that he's making per year, but most of it was front-loaded.
1: Do you have his stats in front of you?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, his stats right now, uh, he has hit in 91 games so far this year. He is batting three he He's got eight homers and only 34 RBIs, but keep in mind... He's got nobody in front of him.
1: Yeah, and he was he was out uh, for a while. I mean, I think he uh no,
0: that he was came Marneau. back
1: slow. I know Marno was out, but I thought Maurer was out too, and he was pinch hitting for a while, DHing or something. I I remember him being out for several games. So you know, again, you're right. He, he doesn't have a lot of protection in there, but imagine that bat. Morneau in the Reds lineup somewhere. I mean he was certainly oh, yeah. Alive, but, uh, but if it's twenty million dollars, if he's if that's what he's being paid, that's that's way out of the Reds lead.
0: And remember, with with the twins, he's he's batting predominantly in the second spot in the order, then Morneau is third and Willingham is fourth. Now here in the last month or so since Willingham has been out, they've put Morneau at number uh, kept Morneau at three and move Mauer to number four, but when Willingham comes back, supposedly at the end of this month, they're going to move Mauer back to number two. Well,
1: that's a powerful number two hitter.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly is. Okay, let's go back to our Ask Us segment and Jay Hoove nine oh nine. This is a great question. This isn't the this isn't the killer, but this is the great question. Mark, can someone explain to me why the Reds are playing at home and away during a doubleheader, which is tomorrow night? at San Francisco. Go ahead and explain that again, Mark. We talked about it last week, but explain it one more time.
1: Well, for those who weren't paying attention, and we chastise you for not taking notes, uh, last two weeks ago, I guess it was, the Reds had a game rained out against the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are not returning to Cincinnati the rest of the year, nor could they arrive at a neutral site where both teams had a day off that they can play. So the only time they could play was the last day of the season. Now, if the Reds were in the playoff hunt or the Giants were in the playoff hunt, having to play that game, it could be meaningful. The last day of the year and then jump into your playoff game uh, was something that neither team wanted to do. So the only solution was that when the teams met in San Francisco this coming week, in fact, that game is tomorrow, the Reds and the Giants, they both agreed, this was not a mandate by Major League Baseball. Both teams agreed that for that first game, the Reds would be the home team and they will wear their white uniforms in San Francisco and the Giants will wear their away uniforms and the Reds will be the home team and that last uh, uh, in that game. So it's a home home team game for the Reds. My question was, the Reds lost a a home date revenue wise that's not insignificant several million dollars And i wondered how that was addressed between the two teams are they splitting the gate tomorrow night or you know i, I don't know they wouldn't announce that necessarily but uh to those who asked that question that's exactly what happened and it was a, it, it was agreed by Major League Baseball and by the two teams so it wasn't something the reds were forced to do
0: that's an interesting question, you know, one that a lot of people probably wouldn't think about as far as the revenue is concerned. Now, Mark, I, I I saw the Reds play Saturday night, and one of the questions brought up was, who's starting tomorrow night for the Reds in those two games?
1: Well, they are bringing up a rookie uh, from um, Louisville, and I'm going to have to check his name. Uh, it's Reynolds. I think his last name is Reynolds. And he's actually had a very good year for AAA. Uh, he's, he was 10 and 2, I believe, and at one point it was 10 and 0. Uh, and the last two games he's lost, but they, they were good games, and, and he's pitched well. He's been around for a while. Uh, his name is Greg Reynolds, and it's, he's pitched the big leagues before. I wouldn't expect that he's going to come up and dominate the Giants. Uh, it's a pretty good ballpark a the ball club. But, he was a number two overall pick by the Rockies out of Stanford in 2006. And uh, he's been hit by injuries, elbow and shoulder. And, uh, you know, since coming back to the Reds, he, he's done very well.
0: Well, you know, this is one of those strange times, Mark, where both the Indians and the Reds are out on the West Coast at the same time. And, uh, you know, if if you're a night owl, which I guess you have nothing to do in the city of brotherly love, you can stay up and watch the Reds game.
1: No, I'm going to go out dancing tonight. I've... Uh... <laughs>
0: All right, because John I am the great answer, David. Yes. Do you have your white suit?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Me and John Travolta.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's get back to our ask us segment and away from the movie theater right now. Okay, Ricky writes in: What happened to Donald Lutz? Is he still on the active roster, and why is he not seeing any playing time? What
1: well, and who asked that question? Ricky. Ricky, come on, Ricky. Come on, read the papers, Rick. Uh, he was sent back to AA. This was about three weeks ago. And he's not tearing it up down there. I think he has a future for the Reds. He's got tremendous power. He's got great speed. He's a good defensive player. And he'll be up next year. Don't worry. You're going to see a lot of him next year, I think. But the Reds want to have him get repetitions down there, get used to playing every day, and get gets in the bats. So, uh, Lutz made a good impression in spring training this year and when he came up. Uh, his guy's got, he's got some skills, and, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people next year. And I, it wouldn't surprise me that, that you might see uh, him being the, the number four outfielder and I Z number five next year.
0: All right. Like it, PO90 says, forget about the all the off-field BS. Skill versus skill, who would you rather have, Mark, on the mound in the ninth inning, Chris Perez or Araldus Chapman?
1: Are you guys smoking dope over there or what? <laughs> you can't. You can't. Yeah. I saw Chris Perez pitch other day. Now, look, I'm not casting aspersions on somebody's physicality, okay? But Chris Perez looks like he's had several too many pizzas of late. Has the guy not gained ten pounds in last year?
0: Well, it's nothing that I can put my finger on, Mark. But you know, when your dog has the marijuana problem like Chris's does, it tends to put pounds on your body.
1: <laughs> well, something has. And if you you said you saw the game Saturday night, to me, Chapman became a, a, a reliever Saturday night. Uh, he he's yeah. been, you know, he, he came in. Uh there was two errors, one of which was his own, runners at first and third, nobody out, and he he threw gas. the gas that was unhittable. Uh he got a fly ball off the bat of Martin in the center field to get the first out, and then he completely overwhelmed the next two hitters. They didn't have a chance. And what he did, he picked up his infielder, a Kozard, who made the error, and picked up his team. I mean, he could have he could have sulked, and I think he would have a couple of years ago. But he came in there and said, look, I've got this guy, don't worry about it. And to compare him with Chris Perez right now is not a fair comparison. I mean, Chapman, w- when he's right, no human being can hit him when, when he's right. I mean, you, you can't pull a trigger fast enough. And Perez, when I've seen him play, he's certainly hittable, and he's not a lockdown closer. It doesn't mean he's not good. I'm not saying that. I think he's he's a good closer for the Indians, but you can't compare him with Chapman when Chapman is right.
0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But I've got another question to bring up for you. Yesterday I was watching the Mets game, and Matt Harvey was pitching. And um, Ron Darling, who is the Mets yeah. color man, made the comment that Matt Harvey is definitely a better pitcher than than Aroldis Chapman, because Araldus Chapman comes in and throws 102 for one inning when Matt Harvey can throw six or seven innings at 98, 99 miles an hour consistently. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, that, that then makes the assumption that if Chapman were starting, that he could not do that. I think Chapman could come in and throw 97, 98 all day long uh When he was a starter with in Cuba, they said he was throwing 99-100 all day long. He was throwing 100 miles an hour in the 7th eighth innings as a starter. Now, I'm not saying he, he should do that or could do that now, but, you know, Darling should know that you can't prove a negative and you can't prove that Chapman couldn't do that if he's not given an opportunity to do it. But it, it's a different mentality coming in to start or coming in to relieve. It's, it's a different mindset. I'm not saying one is better or harder than the other, but Harvey is one of the best pitchers I've seen come out of the minor leagues in the last 25 years. I mean, this guy, he's, you know, he's Ron, not Ron, Brown, he he's uh, Gooden. He, he's that kind of talent. I mean, Gooden and, and this guy are two of the best young talents to come out of the minor leagues in the last 25, 30 years. I can't remember one who, who have been that dominant. But this guy is the real deal, and I don't know if you saw the the interview he did of fans uh, at the All Star break when he interviewed <laughs> yeah. them about himself. I mean, that was great. And this guy's got a great personality from New York City, and he, he's going to be a superstar there for a long time.
0: No, I, I that that was one of the best things that that I've seen in a in a long time. Okay, two more questions on our Ask Us segment. Bill writes in and says, now that we're past the all-star break, do you think either GM for Cleveland or Cincinnati deserves to get the GM of the year award? Mark?
1: No. It, more the Indians than, than Jockety. <clears throat> Jockety hasn't done anything this year to help this team. Not Not one thing. Now, he may yet do it. And But he does this every other year. He'll rest on the laurels of the previous year thinking things are going to get better or they're going to stay the same, and they don't. You've got to continually improve. Now, the, the GM for the Indians, I think he could be GM of the year, actually, because of what he did to improve that team, starting with signing your manager. Nick Francona, to me, you and I have about this, I think he's one of the biggest reasons where the Indians are where they are. But he is it'll be interesting at the all-star break, to see, or at the uh, trading deadline, to see what he does, because the Indians have a chance to win this, and Detroit <laughs> continues to lose. And as long as they do, you guys are in it no matter what you do.
0: Well, you know, it's not so much that I think Chris Antonetti deserves the GM of the year award, but I'm going to say it this way. I can't think of anyone that deserves it more. I can't think of anyone in baseball right now, Mark, and correct me if I'm wrong, that has made as many positive moves that this guy has made that has taken a team that didn't even win 70 games a year ago into a team that has now won 52, the most since 2007, and is in contention for a playoff spot going into the final two months of the year.
1: I agree with you. I mean, uh, to me, he is the odds-on favorite in the American League. Uh, that's, uh, Walt Jockety, <laughs> can you think of a move he made this year to improve this team? I can't. I no, can't I think can't. More. And it, the signing, no. to me, one of the worst deals in the last five years by this team is signing Jonathan Broxton to a three-year contract to be your closer at $7 million a year and then not closing him. Right. It didn't make any sense at all. Nobody would pay Broxton that kind of money. And the Reds did. But more than that, it's, it's not looking at a guy like Todd Frazier and saying, there's no way this guy's going to be our our third baseman. He's, you know, he would be a great extra infielder because he can play all the positions. He's a bat off the bench. He's got a lot of assets, but he, he can't consistently hit. And that's where I think the Reds really screwed up this year.
0: He would be good in the Jack Hanahan role that Hanahan is in right now with the Reds.
1: Yeah, but I've been really disappointed in Hanahan. He, he is. He, he's not showing me anything. He has no power. Uh, no. He's he, hes overwhelmed by it. Maybe it's because he's not getting enough reps out there. But he, is, he has been very disappointing to me off the bench this year. And the Reds historically they don't have a strong bench. They they haven't had one in years.
0: All right, Mark. Here's the last question, and I happen to really like this question. It's from Comic on SD, and his question or her question, I guess it's that question from that person would be: Would you guys rather watch the Reds play, the Indians play, or go see the new Wolverine movie? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <clears throat> well, uh, I wouldn't want to see the Wolverine movie uh, over any baseball game. Number one, that's just me. Uh, you know, the Reds right now are not an exciting ball club. And as much as I love the Reds and I love to watch them play, they, they frustrate me so much that I, I'd love to see the Indians because the Indians are exciting. They're new. They're closer to the top. They have a chance to win it. I know how much it would mean to the Indian fans. The organization has been supportive of the field manager. They've gotten the manager. They've gotten players. So, you know what? I think I'd rather see the Indians play, and I'm not just saying that. The Reds just are a boring team with no offense, and, you know, I want to throw my shoe to the TV by the seventh inning.
0: Well, I'm going to say this. Because I can watch the Indians play anytime I want, I could just DVR it and watch I think I'd go watch the Wolverine, especially when it's opening up on Thursday night and the Indians are off Thursday. So there you go.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's a good reason to do it.
0: <laughs> Mark, what do the Reds got coming up this week?
1: David, they got trouble. There's trouble in River City. Uh, they got four games against the Giants. They got four games against the Dodgers. and They got three games against the Padres. And then to top it all off, they come home and they got three games against the Cardinals. So th- this next two weeks, to me, is going to be. You can mark this on the calendar. This is going to be a determinative series of games for the Reds. If they get, go out there and get beat up on the West Coast, they come back and lose two or three to the Cardinals, it's over. It's over. So if, on the other hand, if they can hang in there, and you know they have a five, they had a five-game lead yesterday uh, in, in the Wild Card. But uh, this team in the next two weeks, they could be out of it, and we could be talking about the Indians for the rest of the year.
0: Well, the Indians, they've got Seattle tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday afternoon. They've got Thursday off, and then they come home and they play Texas in a three-game series, and they have the White Sox next week in a three-game series. Should be very interesting. We'll see where everybody stands next Monday night when we come back here and talk again, Mark.
1: All right, Dave, you have a good weekend.
0: Have a safe trip home.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That's good. That's going to do it for us here tonight on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Don't forget to join us on Thursday night at 7 o'clock with the Ultimate Sports Talk Show, where we'll be talking about SEC college football. Until next Monday night at 9 o'clock, I'm Dave Mitchell for Mark Donahue. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a good week and good night, everybody.